0: Seven. Uh, believe me, it's more awkward for me than it is you. All right. <laughs> Not only is my wife here, but my parents are here. Um, so don't don't even. Yeah. Like. Woo! All right. Here we go. Discovered as a dad, nothing is uh, like. <laughs> Difficult and hard is not like there's things that are past that impossible down that road that are just, uh, yeah, it's just difficult sometimes. But this morning it's heavy uh, in that um, there's a tremendous responsibility and honor to be able to take God's word and to uh, proclaim it directly and clearly um, that would ultimately honor God in the words that He spoke through the Holy Spirit and through. In this case, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Um, But but also, it's really important for me and heavy on my heart that it's communicated and that you hear um, what God has for you this morning. Um, There's a lot of things I'm going to say and preface um, in regards to that, but um, I do want to... um, pray, and I do want to make sure you get there, because I want you to see this. Um, The entire, we've been marching through in Vintage Church, uh, different letters and different perspectives of the gospel, and how it's spreading, and how these churches are growing, and in this context, in this case, in chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter back to the church of Corinth. So, as we begin this first part, let's just dive right into it. Um, the first words, he says, now concerning matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, right off the bat, I'm like, it, the, okay, can I also, I'm going to use a lot of prefacing today, but can I also preface, don't you dare take one thing I say and take it out of context, all right? <laughs> no, no, like, Quoting Pastor Corey, you said like just you. If you're not going to pay attention the whole time, then don't pay attention at all. All right? Because <laughs> there's lots of room. Don't forget lots of emails about this day. But here we go. Uh, I guess, yeah. So, <laughs> I will also say, more importantly, how dare any of us take one sentence that. God writes in his word through the Apostle Paul And we take it out of context Because let's face it We've all, and all of us in the room Whether we're churched or unchurched This is your first time at church Or you've been doing it your whole life We've all been hit and cut By people taking A sentence or a verse To hurt us To prove a point to us When that wasn't the context By which it was used at all If you've been there, would you raise your hand? Like, somebody came and was willing to share a portion of Scripture with you, a a sliver of Scripture with you, to make you think or do or manipulate you in some way. And the truth be told, what they said in applying your situation, yeah, it's a sword that cuts. But we've all been in the same place where God's Word has been perverted by someone else's intentions perverted by taking one part of it rather than seeing the whole of it. Now I believe God's word is inspired and I believe every word is inspired. I believe every part of it has been supernaturally um, preserved over time and here we are with this letter. But I, I, just, I just beg you to see this letter in context of what it was written for. Um, the bigger picture. So today, uh, the context of today is sex in marriage but this chapter also addresses singleness, celibacy, second marriage, divorce. And, and believe me, before we get through it, um, we're actually going to be focusing on the first nine or ten verses this morning. But I also want you to understand that the context of all this is, if you're here today and you're married, um, and this, a lot of, of what we're, we're, we're teaching and we're talking about today uh, applies to you, great. That's where we're, that's, that's, that's the bullseye of what we're teaching today. However, if you're here today and you're single or you're divorced, you're on second marriage, you're, you're young and you're like years away from uh, getting married, like there is absolutely some amazing gold you're going to get out of today's message. Some practical gold that I, that I pray is applicable to your life. I know is applicable to your life. So think of today for what it is 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a Q&A session. Only, you're not hearing the questions. You're hearing Paul's answer. So, in the first sentence, when he says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. There's a context to that. Obviously, or none of us would be here, right? <laughs> um, like, the reality is the question was this the church of corinth this uh this 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 city this booming city of corinth they uh had assembled obviously the church based on the gospel based on what jesus had done based on the good news that it came that their sins can be forgiven and they can grow in the word it's like there's so it's no different than conduit in that context and they're trying. They're, like, they're digging in the Word and, and life on life and ultimately the Holy Spirit filling them to figure out how do we live? How do we chart this journey called life? And in that, and in this church, they wrote many letters to Paul asking him questions. They saw him as not just the, the authority of church, but also the reality of his life. He lived it out. Now Paul is writing. Um, there, there's lots of debate on whether Paul was married or not, or, or in this context, whether he was a widower, or whether he was just single at this point, there's lots of debate on that, but at this, in this moment, Paul is single, whether he's a widower, or whether he um, um, has gone down uh, that road of, of choosing the gift of singleness, or, or not, he is writing from that context, and the church of Corinth, they wrote these questions, so if we were to have a Q&A right now, and I was going to bring a few people up here, uh, to do the Q&A with it. Hey, by the way, did you guys know it's Pastor Cameron's birthday? <laughs> Woohoo! So, when we're done, make sure you give him a hug and some money, all right? <laughs> um, don't, don't try baking anything or, like, cooking anything because you're not going to beat his wife's cooking and, and all that. Just give, just give him money so she can bless him in that way. All right. Anyways. If there was a Q&A, and there was people up here, and, you know, have you ever listened to the audio of a Q&A where, like, they didn't think through the, the fact that you can't hear the questions, you just hear the answer? Well, that's essentially what's happening here. Paul's recording the answer, So he says, hey, I'm writing you back. I'm replying. Now, concerning the things you asked, it is not good that a man have sexual relations with a woman. Um, and in the context of that, he's also talking about, and, and actually, if we're going to dive down to the Greek meaning of that. It's talking about getting married in the context of sexual intimacy. So he's writing right out of the gate. He's like, it's like, it's a good thing. If if you're not married and you're not having sex inside the the boundaries of marriage and the, the gift that God, if you're not experiencing that, you're gonna be okay. It's a good thing. Like, that's what he's pointing out. Like, this It's not a bad thing. It's like, oh, and if you're here today, like if you're single or you're divorced or whatever you're at, you're in in the the, the category of single right now. Paul's saying, it's okay. It's good. It's like a gift. Just like marriage is a gift, he's calling out that singleness is a gift. No matter what stage of life you're in. So I know sometimes our culture takes uh, singleness and maybe uh, because of our culture, puts it at a place where it's... um, that you're not there yet. When in reality, what God is saying is where you're at is where he's got you. And there's a gift in that. And there's a benefit of that. And he goes on to talk a little bit more about that. But it is, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. He's saying, like, that's, that's, that's a good thing. You're going to be just fine. You're not going to fall over and die. Um, although some men would disagree on that. Um, but because of temptation to to sexual immorality. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should give his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. And the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except for perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were I as I myself am, but each of you his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows I say that is good for them to remain single and I as I am. That's Paul saying it's good for them to remain single as I am. Like that, that that's that's great too. Um, but verse nine but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. With passion. Y'all are blushing. <laughs> so, one thing that gets left out of the church tragically is sex. The subject of sex, the teaching of what sex is, of what, not sex education. But the gift that God has granted us as humans. Because whether you believe in a trichotomy or dichotomy, whether it's body and soul, or body, soul, and spirit, that's, that's a conversation for another time. But, but, but you're, you're not just your body. You are your soul that's living inside of your body. And on this earth, in this moment, the 75 or 30, whatever years that you're given, you're given a body to honor the Lord with to be on mission with, to take care of as the temple, the housing of the Holy Spirit by faith of which you believed. Your spirit, God's spirit, living in unison, married inside of you, unified inside of you. And it gives us this amazing opportunity to understand the depths of what even sex means and the context of this. But, Sometimes this subject has been left out of the church because um, I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't tell you why. Maybe it's because it's uncomfortable to teach. Maybe it's because our culture has has uh, tried to mute what what sex is, or what sexual uh, your sexual drive, or how God is implanted. Uh, this in us, what what that's about. I don't know why, but it has been done. And so therefore, if I were to take a poll this morning, how did you learn about sex? How did you learn about your own sexuality? How did you learn about your body Um, in that that context? uh, Probably nobody would say they learned about it at church. So if it's a gift from God, ultimately supposedly meaning to be stewarded for the glory of God, but yet we've not talked about it. Tell me that's not some type of perversion of Satan. It's messed up. That's not right. Don't, don't you dare steal God's gift and make it something it's not. I mean, even just the reason I would argue it's taboos because our culture has defined what sex is rather than the inventor and the gifter of it. And this, is, this causes a problem. Not only in our conscience, not only in our thought process, but how we carry this out and ultimately how it is uh, carried out in our marriage. How it is carried out in our body. Um, so when you read a chapter like this, it's easy, like, some of you guys are geared up. Like, you're like, all right, I'm ready to take some notes. I got some points to prove. I got some arguments to make. And some of y'all are like, dude, is it, like, 1130 yet? Like, can we <laughs> get out of here? Like, I'm just going to, I got to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm out. Like, some of you guys are ready. Like, there's, there's, there, there's no, like, middle ground with this. Every, y'all got opinions, y'all got feelings, y'all experienced things, and, and horrible things, and great things, in this realm of sexuality, and some of you have so many questions, and I want to know, I want to know what the Word has to say about it. But honestly, even though the context of this whole chapter is sex, and marriage, and those relationships, and singleness, and divorce, and like all, even though that's the context, that's not what it's about. That's not the point. Sex is not the point. Marriage is not the point. Marriage isn't even the point. And certainly, sex is not the point of marriage. Um, I heard a wise man say that um, if you're fooled that uh, you get married for the sex, it's, it's kind of like buying a uh, commercial airliner for the pretzels and peanuts. <laughs> like, it just... <laughs> <laughs> it's a, It's like, yeah, it's there, but yeah, there it is. Um, <laughs> that's not, and you're laughing because you know, that's not what it's all about. Truly and thoroughly, not what it's about. It's just a picture. It's just a picture. Um, I don't anymore... But, in my wallet, in some of your wallets, you have a picture of your family or your, you and your wife um, um, or somebody that means a lot to you. Now we have them on our phone. We have like thousands of them rather than just one faded one in your wallet, right? Um, when you show somebody that picture and you say, that's my son or that's my wife, you're, that's not really them. It's a picture of them. You, you get what I'm saying? It sounds really simple and, and kind of smart-like, but I'm really not trying to be. It's simply a picture of what it really is. Marriage is a picture of what God's heart is for us. It's the earthly like we we explore the soul and the spirit of what God is desiring and dreaming for our lives and what it will be forever and ever and ever and ever in heaven but he wants so badly to show us a picture of what it's supposed to be like now. And he uses marriage Now again If you're married Or if you've been married You're like Phew. <laughs> That picture's kind of blurry <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's still loading It's not working Like I get that and, But you know who else gets it? God He understands that You see God uh, it, Our culture has done another stupid thing We've created this, this, this culture of marriage where getting married is just about finding your soulmate. Right? Like, just find that, soul, that perfect person. Has anyone found the perfect person? You should all be raising your hand, but none of you should be raising your hand, all right? You get what I'm saying? Like, you're like, Wait. Of course, you, like, they're perfect in your eyes, but you know that none of us are perfect. And even in the reality of marriage, the whole ideal, the whole heart behind marriage wasn't that you would find the most perfect person and that you ultimately would, ultimately would be made whole. That's so not true. And, but that's so what we seek. It's so what we run after. Um, in every realm... Of dating, of every realm of dreaming, even when you're like a child dreaming about, or a teenager dreaming about what marriage would be or could be, dreaming as a young adult about what marriage could be, or an older adult what marriage could be, should be. The idea was never for us to be made whole. You see, so many of us, and I think the reason why marriage is 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 so difficult. And, and people have such an issue with some of this is that they bring all these expectations to make the per- them feel whole and they put that on the other person. And then when they are coming into the marriage and they believe that the other person is going to make them whole and they miss the boat, these, now you have double the amount of missed expectations when that was not the intention at all. Yes, unity. Yes, covenant. Yes, the greatest picture of what God's heart and desire of his unfailing, undying love for us looks like is marriage. But even in it, what if it was not about, what if it was not about us living the perfect life? What if it was actually about us growing and being sanctified in that groaning of like earth's curse but someday, forever and ever, a blessing. That yes, there are those moments in your marriage where you're at peace and you're truly unified. But you know the rest of the moments. The rest of the moments are a stretching and a, uh, the rest of the moments are a realization that you have not arrived and you are not perfect and they're not perfect and I got flaws and you got flaws. There's a book that uh, I make um, everybody that I marry um, perform a, a, a wedding ceremony, I make them read a book. Um, and it's called Sacred Marriage. And the tagline of the book is, is this. Um, <laughs> what if marriage was to make you holy? Or excuse me, what if the purpose of marriage was not to make you happy, but holy? What if if we actually went into marriage? What if we, even you that are married now, what if you thought of it from that perspective? That the goal wasn't for you to just be happy and fulfilled and satisfied. What if the goal was to be holy? Was to be reminded that this person cannot truly make me whole? Yes, attempt to be whole. Attempt to be whole. the the intense vulnerability. But ultimately, the wholeness can only come from Christ. Don't put that expectation on your spouse. Don't give them the job that only God can do. Um, So I saw this, uh, I saw this uh, news video um, and it was about this couple, about how uh, on their wedding day a couple years ago, um, they were, um, you guys remember your wedding day? Pretty spectacular, right? Uh, very typical and like a lot of excitement, and a lot of culture of two families coming together, and a lot of excitement. But for them, it was the same thing, and it was pretty normal. They did the ceremony, and uh, here they are. Do- it's time for pictures. So they went to this local park um, to uh, take uh, wedding photos, and, and they, in the news article or in the news video, they, they showed some of these pictures, and they're, they're posing um, by a tree, pretty, pretty clay, cliche up to this point. And then all of a sudden this is why this is on the news um, Behind them, there was some kids that were playing. And uh, uh, one, of the, one of the it's not funny, Phil. <laughs> and so it 's funny in the end, so it, it has a good ending. but at, for a moment it's not. Um, so basically they're taking these pictures and these kids behind them. And they're playing, and there's a river there, and a, a boy falls into the river. And the, the, the wife, descri- or the, the bride, describes that moment. She's like, literally, we were taking pictures. The next moment, I looked over, and my, the groom, uh, my husband, was gone. And she looked back, and he was already in the river with his tux on. And the photographer just kept shooting. And so it starts showing all these pictures. Of, of this boy, literally, that was drowning, that, that fell into the river, was being pulled out. I mean, he's soaking wet. And, and the way that the groom describes it was that this boy, he was fighting for his life. And this groom came, and he saved this little, literally saved the boy's life, brought him out. I mean, even described it like, there was no parents around. Like, there was just nobody around, and the kids kind of laughed it off and, and walked away. But that, that boy was really fighting and here that couple is the bride and groom they're on the news they're describing this sitting in lawn chairs in their front yard and all of a sudden this, this thing came came to them and they, they even said it like um, but but I took it and I'm going to run with it but they said this phrase they said we, it, we noticed in that moment that all of a sudden that wedding day wasn't about us. What if what if your marriage wasn't about you or them? Metaphorically, like I don't even have to create a metaphor. There's people drowning all around you. And the tool that God wants to use to save them, to help them, to give them life, hope, and peace is not your wedding day. And it's your marriage. So now all of a sudden, who cares about how pretty her dress is or how beautiful the day was or what the weather was? That boy is alive. And it gave them just a a real picture. (laughs) I'm sure he had to pay for the tux. But it gave them a true, real picture of what marriage truly is supposed to be. Yes, a picture of God's love for us. Yes, deep intimacy, but true wholeness through being on mission. True wholeness through being on mission. So, I think that it's important for us to kind of walk through a couple of these verses um, in our remaining time. I think that the context of it is needs to be explored to be honest I've got three things I want you to to see Um, these are three principles of your marriage you ready not super creative but super practical hopefully three principles of your marriage and if you're single this applies absolutely to you as well it really does Number one, serve. Number two, connect. Number three, minister. Number one, serve. Number two, connect. Number three, minister. Verse two says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. Each woman have her own husband. The husband should give himself give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have rights over his own body, but the wife does. What they're talking about directly is sex. Their sexual desire. So I don't want to skirt past this to just focus on the metaphorical big picture and God's picture of marriage is a communication of is is, is communicating to the world about His love for us. They're directly talking about the sexual desire they, like, they're calling out the, uh, the elephant in the room that we all feel in different ways. God gave you your sex drive. He gave you your sexuality. He gave you this opportunity to, in the boundaries of marriage, to be able to share that with each other. That's clear as day. And he's actually leaning, like so much of of growing in the Lord is, is denying your flesh and yielding to the Spirit. But I love what Paul does here is he literally calls out the flesh and he gives you practical application to the flesh. He's saying your sexual drive, your sexual desire should be explored and satisfied through your spouse. Husband, it's your job. It's your job, privilege, opportunity to meet your spouse's sexual needs. Wife, It is your job, opportunity, privilege to meet your husband's sexual needs. And what that looks like is not for us to discuss at this moment. But what is to discuss at this moment is that is that happening? It's happening through these three areas. To serve, to connect, and to minister. How do you serve your spouse's Sexual needs. I I love that he's leaning into this. I love that he's not just saying, you know what, not a big deal. Ah, you got a sex drive that's not um, being fulfilled. Not a big deal. Live with it. He's actually going the other direction, to the point where he's even encouraging marriage. If you can't control your, if you don't have self control. Now, do you buy the plane for the pretzels and peanuts? No. But in reality, that is a reality. That is so absolute life, that's real life right there. And he's, he's leaning in to the purpose of that physical part, the body part in our marriage, the body um, the, the pleasure that we receive, both in sex, for procreation, which, I mean... There's, procre- there's purpose of sex, procreation and recreation like, and, and pleasure, like, like, I don't need to walk through the procreation part. I think, conduit, I think you got that part, all right? <laughs> all right, so huh. we're at this part. Why? Like, why have sex? But I think you're hearing Paul's answer. You know what I think the question was in the context of this whole chapter? Check me out on this. This is, I think, what the question was. Why would anybody ever get married? Why would anybody ever get married? And Paul's answering that. Like, it's okay if you don't. If that's what God has for you, that's a gift. But if God has that for you, it's a gift. Don't get stuck. If our culture has been drowned by anything, it's to put you in this category or that category or this feeling. And if you're in this or this category, well, that just means this and that just means this. Stop. God has created you so uniquely, He's created you so beautifully that His desire for you to experience Him in your marriage, in your life, and in your singleness in your celibacy, that it's not even about sex. It's not even about that moment. And, and rightfully so, to, to be really direct, if you've had sex, you know that that ultimately is for a moment. Like, a moment. And there's this, there's this like, yeah, I know, okay, we're getting there, all right. But, but like, like, it literally is that moment where even in climax, even in that moment, there's this feeling of like Oh, that's it. Or or like that was quick. <laughs> Please don't tweet that, all right? <laughs> it's It's <laughs> it's meant to leave you wanting more. Wanting more sex? No. And many of you have been down that road. Like, well, it's just about that moment. Okay, that was so awesome. Like, I'm counting down the hours to that, or months, till that happens again, right? <laughs> like, it's not about, <laughs> if it's months, we should talk after, all right? <laughs> Clearly it says, <laughs> but it's, it's not So many of us, when we experience that, it becomes a drug. It becomes a okay, I will hunt, I will pursue, I will do whatever it takes to get to that moment again. But if you have that moment, and another moment, and another moment, you could go decades. And many of us have lived this life, decades where like those moments even compounded together don't bring us true wholeness and satisfaction. It's It's not a dead end. It's amazing. I'm not trying to take away from the amazingness of God's gift, but that was never the point. It was to leave us not wanting more sex. It was to leave us wanting something bigger and greater and more significant that's got nothing to do with sex. And it's got everything to do with the wholeness that God wants to bring into our lives. It's so incredibly important that you get this. Um, A couple people had shed really great light on this. Les Parrott said, "Um, if you try to build intimacy with someone before you have done the difficult work of becoming whole yourself, all your relationships will be an attempt to complete yourself. So this, this isn't just for married people. This is for all of us in every relationship. Let me read that one more time. If you try to build intimacy with someone before you have done the difficult work of becoming whole yourself, all relationships will be an attempt to complete yourself. That person, that sex, that moment, that fulfillment, that acceptance, that intense, intimate vulnerability, that's not wholeness. What you really need is wholeness. What you think you need, what we think we need is sex. What we really need is acceptance and wholeness and something that only God can give through His Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through eternal satisfaction and redemption through His Son. That's the only way. So if you're here today and sex and marriage does not apply to you, hear me loud and clear. It probably today applies to you more than any of us. You're not incomplete because you're not having sex or because you're not married. You're absolutely whole in Christ just as someone that is married and is having sex. You know, you know and I know that there's absolute danger in this when we get to this part because. Um, when we talk about serve and connect and minister, we talk about those three things like we all know that brokenness has come from trying to fulfill your sexual desire through things outside of marriage and even outside of the realm of what brings you true wholeness um Frank Powell says, if you're empty, broken, or insecure, and you believe your spouse is the silver bullet to your problems, <laughs> buckle up. It will be a bumpy ride. You'll never be able to enjoy the beauty of marriage if you think that your sp- it's your spouse's job to complete you. If we're honest in the room... If you're married and you're struggling and you think the problem has something to do with your spouse not bringing you wholeness, they're not the problem. And honestly, I don't think there is a problem. I just don't think you know the whole picture. I don't think you know the whole desire that's on God's heart for marriage. Yeah, if you're seeking the world's definition of sex and marriage, Yeah, I can see the direction of being um, disappointed. I can understand that. We can all understand that. But we're missing the true picture of what marriage is. Um, You see, when we love, when we offer our bodies through intimacy to the other person, we're not just giving them their need. We're meeting our need while meeting their need, even though our needs are very different. But when this is misconstrued or is this, when this is abused, um, we get in a spot where we get, we get manipulated and hurt because that person is looking to us to fully complete them, to bring them wholeness. Or we're trying to become whole. And that, honestly, is not love. What he says here in verse 3, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal gifts, and likewise the wife to her husband. Ultimately saying that the wife's body is not her own, it's her husband's. And the husband's body is not his own, it's his wife's. It's because when you're unified together, yes, you are attempting to become whole. But together, men, this is how we lead spiritually. We try To make each other whole. We serve, no pun intended, our pants off. We serve hard. We serve, we love, we minister, we connect, we do everything that we can. Stop it. (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) Thank you, Michael Scott, for making this so difficult. Um, we serve, we connect, and we minister to the best of our ability. But honestly, in that process, it's just a process. It's supposed to leave us like, kind of like Moses looking at the promised land. I can taste it. I can feel it. I, can, I know what God's desire and plan is, but you know what? I can't get there. Jesus is heaven. Jesus heaven is the picture of marriage for both the husband and the wife, but directly, first and foremost, to the husband. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> all right, so serve. Quickly. Really quickly. Um, you ever been to a restaurant, and uh, the waitress comes and tells you what you should order? or they just bring out what they have made and there you are with the menu like wait a minute like, this is the best part as I get to choose right um, the best part is figuring out like what you're craving or what you're desiring and to be able to express that um, to serve your spouse you have to find out what they want to order because like metaphorically she may be ordering a salad he may be ordering a burger right um it's different but it's both fulfilling what they want to eat right now get your mind off sex for a moment all right serving one another isn't about how you want to serve it's about finding their need and serving that need This goes, again, way past intimacy. Find out what is it that serves your wife. Find out what it is that serves your husband and meet it. That's part of what he's talking about when he says that your body is not your own. Husband, it's it's, it's really both of your body. Wife, it's it's really both of your body. Like, you're to be so uh, intimately connected that you know what serves your wife. You know what serves your husband. And here's the encouragement. If you don't know, that's okay. That's okay. I want to break it down and just encourage you, like lovingly encourage you. Find out how to serve them. Ask them. In a humble way, how can, how can I serve you? Or how can I serve you better or clearer? Not just like, like for me, I try to make my wife coffee in the morning, right? Um, part of the reason is, is I'm making myself a coffee. So it's easy. You just throw another coffee on, right? Like, that's easy. I'm serving in the way that becomes easy. And like, she loves coffee too. And like, she'll, she receives out of serving. But do you, do you see what I'm saying? But really what I should be doing is asking her, how can I serve you this morning? Know what will serve them. Secondly, connect. You know and I know that Sex is not just about the physical. You know it. I know it. Um, I was reading about um, this article and studying for this about um, a couple different countries um, in a red light district specifically and how... um, Walk, this man was describing um, in his research, walking down the red light district and every window um, was someone inviting, a woman inviting him inside for a service. Um, he said it was overbearing. And he talked about, like, separating the obvious, separating what they are doing, and that being a part of the business Um, Of of prostitution and part of that whole mess but what he was separating what he was talking about was how this wasn't at all about a connection this was about a physical transaction for the sake of cash no connection is made even if a physical connection is made and I think as you walk away today in the area of connecting, in the area of the context of this chapter, this should not be used as a sword against your spouse or a sword against your ex or a sword um, that you're going to put in your memory bank for your future spouse. That's not what this is about. What sex really is about, and in the gift of the, the sex that God gave us in our own sexuality, is about connection. It's about connection. Think about this. The only husband and wife that experienced true, eternal connection was Adam and Eve. A sinless garden of Eden, a sinless world at that point. They walked with God. They walked together. They were created for one another. They were not alone anymore. They were literally and metaphorically naked. Naked. Completely naked. Nothing was hidden. Hidden. Nothing was like, like was they were not insecure about anything. And notice that Adam and Eve, when God created them perfect, did not just have each other and be made whole, but having God in that relationship, they knew God, they walked with God. God was was as as real to them in, 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 in connection as their relationship on the earthly bodily sexual level. And that was the picture that God gives us right at the beginning of his word. And so this backing up in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, Paul's response has everything to do with what does that look like now? Now that they have sinned, after the fruit was eaten, after sin entered the world and enmity was put between the man and the wife, what does this look like now? It looks like this. It looks like this opportunity because what did did Adam and Eve do the moment that they sinned? Literally, their first reaction was like, ah! Right? And they covered their, their body parts with, with animal skin and fig leaves. They, they'd sense, like even though they, they, were, they were probably like Ken and Barbie, there was nothing to be like, dude, are you, you got me? Okay, I don't need to explain it anymore. They were like probably perfect, but they didn't feel perfect. And it had nothing to do with whether they looked perfect or not. I don't know what they looked like. But here's what I do know is that when the moment that their sin entered the world, they wanted to hide. They didn't just hide their bodies from each other. Now all of a sudden, naked was a thing. Before, it was just how they were. But now being naked, being open, being vulnerable is a thing now. And they also hid from God. And so sin put a wedge between all of that. It put a separation between all of that. And so God's desire for this whole picture is for you in the confines of marriage to be c- completely naked and vulnerable before one another. This has nothing, well it has everything to do with being literally naked and, and in sex and intimacy, but way more implications of your heart, of your soul, of who you are, vulnerable with how you share, vulnerable with what you need, vulnerable with how you connect, vulnerable with your love language, vulnerable with your time, vulnerable with your struggles, vulnerable with your pain, completely bare with one another, ultimately, ultimately, the picture of what we should be to God because he is the husband of the body of the church. He is the head of the church. He is the one walking us down through the path of life, knocking everything out of the way so that we can fly and flourish as the body. We are to do that in marriage. And that can only happen If we connect, not just physically, not just doing your duty, not just your conjugal rights, not just treating their body like your own, I would really ask your spouse, how do we connect? Here's what I think it looks like to connect. Lastly, lastly, minister. Um, I think that um, to minister. When when you truly want to minister to the needs of your spouse, you don't have to just know what they're ordering. It's about the environment that you're creating. Um, So let me just, I use the word minister. Let me use an example of being a minister. So when you're, um, when you read the Bible, there's a lot of qualifications for you to be a pastor or a minister. But in reality, there's only like one function of your job. Like in the Word, it says, you got to be this, you got to be this, you got to do this, you got to be 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 this. But one of the main things that it says a minister or pastor needs to do is to equip the saints. To equip the saints. How do we equip? We have to find out how to minister. We have to find the needs, yes. Take the order, so to speak. But we also have to create an environment. For you to grow, an environment for you to be healed, an environment for you to experience what God truly is saying to you through His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit that ultimately one day, for never and never and ever, we get to experience that. We minister our lives. So I would encourage you, ask your spouse, like in all vulnerability, how can I minister? you? How can I create an environment for you to grow, flourish, succeed, and feel love? Because love is not something that you are forcing on them. Love actually has nothing to do with manipulation. Love has everything to do with creating the environment. Because if you force Love. If you force them, well, it says that you should. Man, that's not love. That's coercion. That's manipulation. But what you can do is love. What you can do is to minister to the environment by which your home is. You can minister in the environment by the way you communicate. You can minister by the way you administer grace and mercy on them for their flaws. And honestly, as you begin that process, that's where you experience what holy really looks like. And that may you be truly whole in him first. Before you bring that into your marriage. Or if you're already married, before you bring that into your conversation in the reality of your marriage at this moment.